Thank you for listening to Comics for Fun and Profit. This is Drew with a special episode of my other podcast that I co-host regularly. And uh, it's Weekly Comic Spotlight over at John Mayo's comic book page. And uh, for those of you who haven't heard it, I wanted to give you a chance to listen to it. It's a standard review show of uh, a Marvel, a DC, and an independent comic. Uh, each week. So uh, check this out. And if you like it, go over there and subscribe or check out uh, those those episodes. They're a lot of fun. So thanks again for listening. Um, here you go. This is Weekly Comics Spotlight number 536 for comics originally released on November 15th, 2017. Now starting us off in DC is Super Sons number 10. Uh, I'm assuming you've been reading this the whole time, right? Yes, yes, kind, loving kind of, it. Kind of would have been surprised if you hadn't, because you pushed for this one. And uh, I'm glad you did, actually. Uh, this was probably my favorite issue of this run. I, I think I'm right there with you, and, I, and I've enjoyed the whole thing, but this was special. This was a special uh, issue that was just fantastic. Just from the, the first page, where we get just a little bit of back and forth, and there was a, a bit where... You know, I guess it was Clark complaining that the Damien's a little theatric or whatever, and Bruce is kind of brushing it off as well. That's Alfred's influence. Damien's <laughs> like silence, <laughs> and Clark's like, "Did he just tell you?" And it's like, "Yeah, that's that's, that's my influence." I think from Bruce. It's like, what a just a nice interplay between Clark and Bruce, between Bruce and Damien, and it really kind of shows the dynamic with with Alfred and all of that stuff. I love scenes where there's just a real implication of how other characters have interacted with each other elsewhere to lead to the moment. That was one of the things I thought Devin Grayson did really well back when she was doing some stuff here and there, where she would have like a team-up between Batman and Arsenal that really reflected on Nightwing and Green Arrow as much as Batman and Arsenal, and just kind of the, the compare and contrast stuff. And There were enough moments like that here where we see how similar Damien and, and John are and how radically different they are. And there's a, just an exuberance that Superboy and Robin have here that just comes from being as young as they are. And like they had a, a bit where, you know, the whole thing is, you know, uh, John can, can now control his flight ability or whatever. And when they're, they're uh, driving back, I guess, to, I don't know, the farm or wherever they're driving to and, in the red truck, which clearly is Clark's, but Bruce is driving, so we'll, we'll read into that what we will. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't, that doesn't look like the kind of car Bruce would have. I'm just saying, no big bat yeah. on the on the hood. Um, but John holds kind of Damien up with his arms outstretched on top of the cab of the the pickup truck or whatever to simulate the whole flying thing. And you really, that scene wouldn't have worked if these characters were just even a couple of years older than they are. And I loved. The callback to when Damien had uh, come back from the dead and could had superpowers, could fly for a bit. You know, so there's a, a sense of, of history, of continuity, of, of, of I don't say consequences, but uh, that having read it for a while, you get more out of it. It's like, oh, I know what he's talking about. Oh, yeah, that and and the discovery, giving them the their own headquarters, mm. and and the fact that they just were. You know, uh, Damien was worried that there was a catch, but John was just like so excited about it. And, you know, you could, you could feel 
how you would feel uh, as a kid with their own hideout and, and and how much fun that would be and the fact that you're getting the keys to the kingdom and 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 you're getting adults to trust you to do these things and it was so much fun i love that i just love the relationship between the two of them mm-hmm. and and um you know kind of established that okay damien's 13 and he's always trying to play that trump card that he's older and john's only 10 and but man the, the two of them are just like twins it's great to see them play off of each other and the back and forth and it's really a ton of fun and it's it's an all-ages book i feel like this is a great book you could hand to anybody but it's one of the best things i'm reading uh from dc i love it and i just think that they they have a great relationship tomasi is crushing it with the the way that he writes these characters and um, I don't think this is the regular artist, this, this uh, Luis. No, I don't think so. It was supposed to be, I think, Brian Cheng, and it was not. And, but he did a great job. The art is fantastic in this. I really like it. And, and this was just, you know, just a great throwback type of issue that was tons of fun and is something I would hand to anybody uh, and just say, here, this is what fun comics are all about. Read this. And, and I would hope that they would enjoy it because I... I I know I did. Yeah, I think they really captured both uh, the fun of, of the kids, but also kind of the fun of, of Superman and Batman in a, a a little bit of a lighter tone or whatever than we often see those two. And, and wouldn't you like to see them with this relaxed uh, kind of demeanor a little more? I get I get a little a little tired of the of the super seriousness uh, of some of the Batman stuff that I've been reading lately and. This was so pleasant, uh, such a pleasant Bruce Wayne to see and, and his relationship with Clark and, and how he values that friendship. And it was just really celebrated in this issue. So much uh, really good stuff that I think other writers in the DC stable could take note of uh, to really kind of pull some of this into their writing and, and, and kind of showcase what we can enjoy about these characters and, and their interplay and they're having fun and, and, and kind of don't just do things by the numbers, maybe take a step back and, and realize that this is that you have a huge playground here and, and showcase some of that for us. And, and when, when writers do that and they do it well, um, it really jumps off the page and is something fun to read. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And what a counterpoint to what we got between Batman and Superman, what, two years ago when they were kind of swapping out the Superman. Yeah. Can we trust this guy? Who is this guy? And just kind of almost at odds to a degree. And here there's just a relaxed comfort level. They can joke around a little with each other. Um, and even Superman makes fun of Batman kind of joking around a little bit of, you know, who are you and what have you done with Batman and stuff? Uh, kind of acknowledging this is a little atypical, but this is the, the side of, of Bruce and, and Batman we just haven't seen enough of lately. Um, or really to a degree ever. I mean, and we've seen it bits and pieces here and there, but there was an aspect of this that captured a lot of what I would identify as almost hallmarks of kind of the early 80s DC sensibility, where you've got the heroes that, that enjoy hanging out with one another, that can have these kind of family moments and stuff like that. Um, 
yet we also have enough things to to kind of keep the the story going. There's a an intermezzo, which I think is a fancy way of saying interlude, which for what I guess is the first part of a story is a, a little weird, but kind of setting up, uh, I guess, the future Damien Batman or whatever is either part of this arc or the next arc or whatever. It's like, yeah, didn't really do anything in this issue, but they're building, they're giving you a reason to come back to the next, which I liked. As much as I love that headquarters, the, uh, what do they call it? The Fortress of Attitude. <laughs> the Fortress of Attitude. Yeah, that was fantastic. Um, when I first saw it, and it's this underwater mishmash of train cars. I'm like, that doesn't look like it would be watertight, much less with able to withstand whatever depth it's at. But okay, you just had some spare trains. I mean, it's like a, they, they took advantage of a, an almost train wreck or something. I don't know. It was just weird. Um, but once we got inside of it, it was really cool. I think there, at, there are ropes. It looks like ropes and chains holding the thing together. And you, you, I, yeah, it is, it is surprising that it's watertight and, um, I, I agree. I'm like, eh, I don't know if I would uh, put my kid in this, but if I guess if my kid had superpowers, they'd be fine. <laughs> it works better for Clark than for Bruce, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. When they're setting up how it's all hooked in with the Justice League uh, watchtower and all this stuff, and they've got these transport pods or whatever they are, which is a little confusing because the, they've got transporters of sorts for the, the Justice League, or at least they have in various incarnations. The fact that this one takes, what, a hundred seconds to get from wherever they are to, uh, yeah, Metropolis Bay or, yeah, I guess there or the waterfront or whatever. That's, that's like a, over a minute and a half. That, that felt like a long time. Yeah. But, but John also said that, you know, hey, I can, I can do it in, I can't remember what he said he could do it in, but much faster. 45 seconds. Wet. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I get wet. <laughs> so it, it, it was still keeping that, that fun aspect to it and i i i hope they don't never change these two because these two you know are the really great assets to the dc stable and i hope that they continue to play this this way because sometimes we see damien that's he's drawn um 19 years old looking you know like he's he's ready to be uh graduate from college and this playfulness and this this youthfulness really lends itself much better to his personality and his attitude and really makes him uh, a fantastic addition to uh, DC superheroes. And, and I, I just love the two of them together. I think, I think this is a, a great comic and, and only 10 issues in uh, I, I kind of was glancing. I was like, really, is it only 10 issues? Because it, it feels like they've, they've had so much more adventures together. But it, you know, it's not shipping twice a month, and um, I would, some of I would those love... adventures took place in other titles. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's probably where I've I've seen a little more of them, and uh, I, I, this would be a great thing to have twice a month. But the quality is so high at the once a month rate that I don't want to, I wouldn't want to mess with that because it, it's it's so worth three ninety nine. And uh, it's money well spent in in comics for me. No, I, I totally agree with that. And I think this artist, uh, uh, Jose Luis, did a fantastic job capturing, again, the, the kids as kids. They look like kids. And to your point, sometimes they don't. And that really kind of throws the story. But in addition to that, in, I think, doing a really good job with uh, Lois, Superman, Alfred, Batman, the whole nine yards... Uh, there was a sense of, of almost like a visible acting going on in this that's 
just not always there in comics. Just the body language for, for Damien versus John and, you know, how Damien's always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, you're giving us this, this base, but what's the catch? You know? Yeah, there's this great scene of, of John asleep in his bunk bed. He's on the top bunk. Uh huh. Uh, or he has a loft or some, something like that. And he is just wiped out. He's wiped out like kids get wiped out after a day of, of playing and having fun and they're just completely zonked. And he is drawn like a kid is, is zonked. He's mm-hmm. done. And then, you know, Damien's like, get up. We gotta go. We got stuff to do. There's more, there's more adventures to be had. And, and he's pulled out of that. And it's those two panels are fantastically drawn. And I get a, a cute, you know, a, a cute sense of exactly what all the characters are going through. And I'm totally there with them. And, and I and I love that. I love to be brought into stories like that to where I am all the characters. I am I am experiencing it with them and I am having their adventures with them. And it's exactly what I want in a comic. I, I just I just I can't say enough about how much the combination of Tomasi's writing and uh, Louise uh, drawing really complimented each other mm-hmm. and they're both great storytellers in their own right and it, it really told the story in such a fun and fantastic way that i was i was just loving this from the beginning to the end and uh, i when i finished it i was just like oh i wish there was another one of these coming out in two weeks well and there are a couple of things they did that i thought were fairly subtle but incredibly effective if you go to that page where uh John's sitting there sleeping and stuff, and, and Superman comes in, kind of drops the costume on him and says, hey, get dressed, kid. You know, it's three panels on the top row and then two stacked uh, widescreen panels. Next page in the comic, which is opposite it, takes place in Gotham. We've got Wayne Manor and we've got Batman and Alfred and the same sort of a thing playing out with the same format of the page. Except now it's it's Damien versus John. So just the the visual similarity and the story similarity, yet the radical difference in attitude of the kids. Um, there was just some some amazing storytelling going on there. And I also liked how there was a couple of kind of Easter eggs or whatnot in there. Uh, one or two of which, honestly, I couldn't make out. In John's room, there is a poster of the clone Superboy. With some other characters, and, and my eyesight's not quite good enough to make out who those might be. Uh, it seems like that might have been a cover of some other comic or something. Um, the other thing, though, going on on my my failing eyesight, uh, at the top of the other page in, in Wayne Manor, when we've got uh, Bruce and, and Alfred, is it just me, or does Alfred speak in a really tiny font? <laughs> it's tiny. It's tiny. I have a tablet, so it, it helps. I, I can zoom in on that stuff, but yeah, it, it is tiny. That that makes a great case for digital comics. It does. As we get older, uh, more and more. <laughs> yeah. Again, I think uh, the writing was was amazing. The art was not only fantastic; it really raised the level of the story because it worked so well with it. And I mean, this is just the epitome of a really fun issue and one that I really recommend. And I think if you haven't been reading this title, you could come into this cold. Just knowing that Superman and Batman both have boys and just run with it. I think it's incredibly accessible. There's other stuff they've done in the title and a few other titles before with these two. This is an excellent jumping on point. And if they can maintain this style, this, this level of fun, the youthfulness of these two, and just kind of the fun juxtaposition, not only of them, but 
against each other, but also against their fathers. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's great too, because it, it translates and actually softens the two of them. There was, there was a segment where, okay, now you're going to go to school and the same, the same goes for you, right? Clark and Clark's, well, yeah, but, but my kid likes likes going to school. So, <laughs> and and they they had a play, playfulness as well. It was great. You know, it it reminds me of if 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 those of you who are listening remember Super Friends and remember Super Friends first run, I guess when you're a younger kid and you're watching Super Friends and you want to be in the Hall of Justice and you want to. You wanted to be a part of that because it was so cool and there was so much cool stuff going on. That's what this comic does. This comic pulls you in and makes you want to be hanging out with these folks and doing this. And that's a that's a uh, that's a home run in comics land for me because it doesn't happen enough. Yeah. I, I just I, I had so much fun living through these characters and and wanting to hang out with them longer than the the comic allowed me to that it, it, it made me realize that this is the sort of fun that I have with comics that that sometimes is lacking and and I wish more creators would take note and and say this is a blueprint for the type of comics that you can really pull it's a it's a really big tent you can pull a lot of people into this because yeah. I'm an I'm an old dude and I am I am loving this with a youthful vigor that, uh, you know, I don't have with every comic that I read. And, and it, it's just great for, for me. This is, this is top notch comics. This is an A plus for me. Um, I want more of these and I want more people to write comics like this. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with everything. I don't want them to ape this format, but I want them to learn from this comic. Yes, exactly. Because, I mean, there's just so many things that I could just say, oh, what about this? Look at this. It's just amazing. The, the one I do want to really point out is when when Damien is told he's going to be going to a private school versus being homeschooled by Alfred. Yeah. He is there, and there's this great shot of Batman just looking down on him. It's like, I knew he was not going to be happy with this. <laughs> exactly. And he is stretching up and trying to loom over Batman who's like two feet taller than him. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of up on his toes a little bit trying to say, I'll stare you down. And trying to get up in Batman's face. Yeah. There's a, a, a just a ludicrousness of that, yet there's such a, a seriousness to the character doing it that it's just it was amazing. I mean there there are a lot of those kinds of moments in this. Yeah. Um this is what I want not necessarily all of the DC titles to be like, but this is what I think of for the DC universe in terms of sensibility, style, and how real the characters feel, even though they're inherently unrealistic, just, you know, from an empirical point of view. It was a huge, uh, a ton of fun. Um, I thought the title had been good before, but this, this was head and shoulders above all the other issues for me of this run. Um, I'm going totally with the A plus here. It's one that this is an excellent jumping on point for this title. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, uh, it's three ninety nine. Give it a shot. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Maybe it's not for you. I don't know. But if it is, I think you're gonna love it. It's just terrific. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, it's so good in so many so many facets, and um, it's it's just a wonderful comic, and and. Uh, we we got lucky. Sometimes sometimes we pick a comic 
on the wrong side of the arc or it's it's not the right time to review it or it's they're just have they're just not on their a game um i i think everything came together in a perfect storm of what tomasi can do and the artist was great and really really doing a great job of storytelling so um this was the right one to review at the right time and and uh, it really encapsulates everything about this title that I love, and then some, because it's it's the best it's the best issue of this ten issue run. Yeah, no, absolutely was the right issue of this title to to talk uh, talk about and stuff. I'll be honest, I was a little not certain if it was going to be well, you know, it's it's an okay title sort of a thing, or you know, I like it, but sort of attitude when you said let's go with it. But like you said, everything fell together and. It really showcased the the characters, the creative team, everything wonderfully. So, ton of fun. That having been said, shall we move on to our Marvel title? Yeah. This is Doctor Strange number three eighty one, and uh, maybe I should have paid more attention to the uh, the banner at the top with the uh, the story title of Loki, Sorcerer Supreme, Part One. I mean, I, I saw Loki there on the cover. I knew Loki was gonna be in the issue, uh, possibly even as a Sorcerer Supreme, but I will, I will be honest. I was surprised by what a radical departure this felt like from the previous, uh, volume that just ended weeks ago or got renumbered into this or whatever you want to take on, your take is on that. But this is, okay, so there's a new Sorcerer Supreme all of a sudden. That's out of nowhere. And what really shocked me is it wasn't any of the characters from the recent Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supremes series either. As if they hadn't, in the last year or so, given us half a dozen or so potential Sorcerer Supremes. Loki? Okay. I can kind of see it. It does seem a little strange, if you'll pardon the pun, to kind of bounce Dr. Stephen Strange from being the lead character of his own book. But Loki is a really great character that they've done some amazing stuff with over the last couple of years. So as a lead character potential for somebody to kind of steal somebody else's book, not a bad choice. And he was very well used here. But why not rename the title to, since you're renumbering it anyways, I don't know, Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme. That would have kind of made more sense because it's like, well, if it's Doctor Strange and we only get him at the tail end of this issue, it just felt like a really strange and odd and confusing story shift to start off a legacy title with and it really makes me question what is legacy all about it absolutely is not any kind of a back to basics approach as one might think as one might think yeah <laughs> yeah because that certainly wasn't what we got here but what we got was a lot of fun it was was well done but while i was reading most of it i'm like but but where's steven where's the real sorcerer supreme the real doctor strange where are they going with this? I I didn't I didn't feel that because I had um I had dropped off this and I am a huge Jason Aaron fan and so I but I just couldn't connect with with this title that he was writing before and I I tried a couple of times I think we reviewed one in there and I it just I didn't click with me at all mm-hmm. I, and I couldn't get into it. Um, but then we have we have Donnie Cates coming in as the new writer, and, and I've really been enjoying what he's done on Redneck uh, over at Image, and uh, Gabriel Hernandez Walt, Walta is doing the art, and and I, I thought his vision art was the best thing of 2016. So I had to I had to give this another shot, and 
I came in cold knowing that I didn't know what was leading up to a lot of this. So I wasn't sure if some of this groundwork had already been laid for Loki to be the Sorcerer Supreme or if it was coming in and this was just a new hard stop. And this is how this is the, the story going forward. So I wasn't I wasn't sure. But so I just took it for what it was. And I think they did a really good job of saying, OK, um, probably not what you're expecting um, no. this 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 title to be. But we're going to walk you through it. We're going to tell you how we got here and we're going to have fun along the way uh, explaining it to you in such a way that it, through comics. And, and, and I think I think they did a really good job of doing that. I had I had a lot of fun with this title. It reinvigorated me for the uh, a Doctor Strange book that I had dropped off of and is now something that I not only want to read but look forward to reading and 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 want back on my pull list. So and all it took was for them to remove Doctor Strange, pretty much. All all it took was for them to write it in a way that was more interesting to me than what Jason Aaron was doing, who is a fantastic writer whom I love. I love in Thor and I love in some of his other work that he does, but for this, but for his Dr. Strange, it just wasn't clicking. And this new writer has captured my imagination in a way that he couldn't with Dr. Strange, even though Dr. Strange is rarely, barely in it. He's in a scene at the end. That's it's, it's not a bad scene. It's a little funny and stuff, but it's one of those things that I was always a little annoyed when they would say they're over at DC that kind of the best way to handle Superman is to kind of get rid of him for a little bit, have somebody else there, same with Batman or some of the others, as if the lead character is the problem with the title. Right. I agree that what Donny Cates did here was, was a lot of fun, was, was good stuff, but could he not have done equally good stuff with Doctor Strange? And and I think that this is I'm assuming this is his first uh, foray into Doctor Strange. He just this is his first issue on the book, and that's that's my assumption here. And yeah, it, it does it is curious that he didn't take a whack at telling a Doctor Strange tale with Doctor Strange before he told this thing without him. Um, you would think you'd want to earn it as a new writer, but if you push that aside, this is a great story. This is a great comic True. that just doesn't have happened to have the title character in it much and has actually replaced him a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, Qu it, quite a bit. <laughs> it worked really well for what it was. And I don't object to what it was. Loki is a fun character. They've spent a lot of time over the last few years. Like I said, building him up, making him very interesting. It was just so different than what we'd gotten before. And I just, I don't know where they're going with this or why. And particularly for us to be talking about it, where last week we talked about Moon Knight, who wasn't in his title either. Yeah, and I was I was thinking that exact thing when I was reading it, and I was like, man, we just read a Moon Knight book without Moon Knight, and now we're reading a Doctor Strange book without Doctor Strange. Hey, it's That's not a weird back-to-back. Like, -back. It's not like they had uh, an Invincible Iron Man title going on for a while without Iron Man in it. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, and they have been playing fast and loose with some of their characters for a while, so... Um, I guess we should expect this at this point, but uh, still, it is surprising. I just can't tell if Doctor Strange, the Stephen Strange, is going to be you know seen once in a bit while in this, or is he a co-star in the title with Loki? Is you know, I don't know 
like I said, I don't know what direction they're going with this, and I'm I'm open to where they want to go with it, uh, depending if I like it or not. But I'm I'm not like prejudiced against. Oh, it's got to be Stephen Strange or, or I'm out kind of a deal. Loki's fun. Well, I'm hoping for a triumphant return for some reason, and I don't know what that reason would be quite yet because Loki seems sincere as Loki can be for why he wants to be the Sorcerer Supreme, and 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 uh, but I uh, but I think something's got to pull Doctor Strange back into this and I'm assuming we'll get get there but I I agree it, if if I'm given a title I want to weave my tail with the lead character of that title first and then I want to tell my story that that flips everything on its head I don't know if I want to start that way and I think that's that was a strange choice Although, well, I think really well executed here. Oh, again, um, not arguing on the quality of the execution. I thought it was very well done. Yes, yes. But it's like the writer came in saying, I've got this great idea for a Loki series. And he was told by an editor, well, you know, we've got an opening on Doctor Strange with the legacy stuff. And he's like, you know what? I'll make Loki the, the, the Sorcerer Supreme. That'll work. You and, know? you know, there's probably some truth to that. I, I I would not rule that out as being exactly what the what the deal is. <laughs> That's probably exactly what happened. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. It just felt like they'd done so much building up the lack of magic and you know how strange has to to really you know work for what he's got. Okay, let's toss him out. Let's put somebody who's got god powers in there and make him a sorcerer supreme. And you know just kind of ixnay on a lot of what they'd set up in the last run. I, I get they're going to go in different directions. I'm even okay with that. But it was a pretty sharp turn mm-hmm. that uh, gave me a little uh, bit of, of, you know, just it, it was hard for me to stay along for the ride through the whole thing. But again, to the, the credit of, of the writer and the artist, um, it was a, a, a really well-told story. And uh, they they used Loki in a very interesting way and and true to what we'd seen of him of late. Um, so I think there's a lot of potential here, and I'm excited about that. Um, I would say if there's any real kind of irony, or, or I don't say fault, but irony is probably the best thing about this issue, is those three legacy pages at the back where uh, those people didn't yeah. seem to get the memo that uh, there's a new yeah. Doctor Strange in town. And, and to not even add a panel, like, but for now... This is who the Sorcerer Supreme is, or something, you know. To, to it, it just was so disjointed. Just don't put those in there. It didn't make but any sense. If you look at that last page where it's got him with the third eye, we've got Wong, we've got the new librarian, and we've got one of the Sorcerer Supremes from the Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer's Supreme plural series. That's yeah. kind of where I was expecting this to pick up with. Yeah. That's where they were apparently expecting it to pick up with. So again, it was it was really well done and I enjoyed it a lot. It just wasn't what I was expecting. So there's that. Um Yeah, the way it turned for me uh was was really the bar scene. Uh, I was really I really loved the bar scene. I thought that I thought that really captured and pulled me in and and it was playful and fun and really kind of established what what maybe this this writer was going to do with the character for a while. I also really liked um, the Thor the Thor scenes as well. Mm-hmm. I thought that those were really strong. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of good stuff here. And and yeah, like you mentioned, um, the Stephen Strange as a veterinarian <laughs> was great. And uh, Talking Dog was standing 
Um, and I didn't even mind that. I thought that was that was good. Well, the implication there, was only Stephen heard what the dog was saying. Everyone else heard parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was fun. I think I think Walta is a fantastic artist. I really love his style, and um, it, it just harkened back to the Vision series for me, which which I loved an awful lot. So there's there's a lot of good stuff to to check out here. Don't I, come into it thinking you're going to hang out with Doctor Strange for 20 pages, yeah, um, uh, because you're going to be disappointed, and that's too bad. Um, and I, I really think, again, I really think a, a new creator coming on here probably shouldn't have taken that liberty so quickly. I think this is a great second arc. It would have been a ton of fun mm-hmm. as, as a second arc. But the first arc really needed to be him hanging out with Doctor Strange and 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 putting his twist on Doctor Strange for a while. And I was surprised how how you could take that liberty as a new creator coming onto a title and following someone like Jason Aaron, who um, is well regarded, and um, you you just kind of just shoved everything off to the side and said said here you go here's here's my take on what I think would make this a better title, and and that's. I can definitely see the problem there, but I had so much fun in it that I, I can I can overlook some of that. I I really enjoy this a lot. Um, I am I I had not connected with Doctor Strange before. I connected with this in a way that was enough to make this uh, a a pull list for me and and add it to my pull list. This is something that that I found was a, the right combination of really crisp writing and an artist who can really draw well and and really brings me into the into the panels so for me i'm going to give this an a minus and i really liked it i I can totally understand that i thought this was really well done um i frankly probably like this a little bit more than what we've been getting with dr strange lately um i do think there were a few missed opportunities here not many and what we got again was really well done like in that bar scene when loki's like how about no more rules (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I really yeah. wanted to see a reaction shot from yeah. Scarlet Witch, particularly yeah. when he follows it up with, how about no more price, referring to the price of magic. He's like taking some jabs at her and she's just not reacting. And it would have set up the end scene where she's going after Stephen Strange to, hey, come back, dude, a little bit better. But they've got a, a interesting character in an interesting position and some fun stuff they can do. And I think Loki's clearly up to something. I just don't know what yet. Of course, it's only the first issue, so go figure. Um, I want to see where they're going. I hope they've got a good payoff and a good long-term plan in terms of, is Loki going to stick around as Sorcerer Supreme for a while? In which case, why is it called Doctor Strange? Is Steven coming back? In which case, you know, what's going on? Anyways, I liked this issue. I'm a little curious where they're going long-term, but I'm, I'm around for the ride, unsurprisingly. I'm going to go with a B plus on this. I don't think I'm that much uh, lower than you in my, my ranking and stuff. Um, it was it was well done. Shall we move on to our other book? Yep. This is Minky Woodcock and... Uh, hang on, let me see if I can get this one right. I've got my, my notes blocking the thing there. Uh, Minky Woodcock, the girl who handcuffed Houdini. This is by uh, Titan Comics as part of their hard case crime line. And... We've read one or two of the other things, I think, from this line, and they've done yep. some pretty good stuff. Yep. I will be honest, this is not something I pre-ordered. Yeah, I read the press PDF, and 
I'm okay having done that. Um, this isn't bad, but it didn't hook me. And part of it is a combination of the art style. While it tells the story well, it's, it's not the kind of comic book art style I gravitate towards. And there were a couple of places where the way characters were introduced just didn't work well for me. Um, specifically, uh, when, um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is introduced as just Sir Arthur. And then a couple of pages later, oh, well, your character wouldn't have done that sort of a thing, or he believes this and you believe that. And it it came across as, as like deliberately misleading me or, or, or some such. I don't know. It rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. It was, it was like, I know this is the guy who wrote Sherlock Holmes, but you don't until a couple of panels later. Ha ha ha. Yeah. And I, and I got you. And, you know, there was a couple other places and, and, I seem I'm usually a little more tolerant of the mature elements of comics than you are. And, you know, you'll usually say something along the lines of if it serves the story, you know, I'm okay with it. Um, There there were a couple of characters who were introduced completely naked and it didn't make any sense to me why that person had to be naked to be doing the job that they were doing. The the medium. the medium and I was like why why are you shoehorning nudity into this comic when this person could act exactly the same way that they are with the clothes on it it was just completely out of touch i i i it did not make sense and didn't jive with what they were trying to tell and the way you know the the time period this was set in and and the story and the characters it was totally out of out of sequence. I, I didn't get it one bit. I thought that w- that was a problem for me. I think the art style also is um, it, it's got an all red type look to it, but it's not that polished. It's it's got some problems in the way people are drawn uh, as far as how they hold their limbs and how their faces react and and emote. And, and it didn't didn't work entirely as well as it could have. Um, it's the same person who's doing the writing that's doing the the art as well. So that can be a challenge um, sometimes. Cynthia von Bueller um, and you know hats off to being able to pull off both chores. But maybe you should have stuck to one or the other because both kind of suffered. I thought I thought it was uh, a little lower than average writing and a little lower than average art and so if you put those two together they don't work so one of those needs to be a little stronger to carry the day if one is going to be um below average Uh, and there was i mean i i i enjoyed some of the plot and where we were going i'm a houdini fan there was a a short-lived show on television last year about houdini and Doyle, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, yeah. That, Doyle. That, I've been meaning to watch it, but haven't gotten to it yet. I really, I really enjoyed it, and it didn't last long. And Sam called it; he knew it was going to get canceled. I think after as you or episode two um, that it wasn't going to last. And I was trying to hold on to hope, but it it didn't make it. Um, but yeah, I, I like the character a lot. Um, I, I, I'm seeing uh, in after in an aftershock book, uh, Rough Rough Riders. I'm seeing. Uh, a Houdini over there, so I'm getting a little taste of it. But I like the character, and I like 
I like Arthur Conan Doyle. I'm a big fan of Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of elements here that I should have been able to embrace, but it just didn't quite come together. And um, I, I don't know if there's enough here for me to, to keep going as well. Um, I'm kind of on the same page as you. Um, there's a lot of stuff here I would normally like, but it just wasn't executed well enough for me to, to maybe really grab onto. Did you read the press PDF or did you have a print copy? Um, press PDF as well. All right. Cause I'm, I'm curious about one thing that could just be an artifact of the press PDF. It could be in the print thing. I don't know. But on page 12 of the PDF, when we're getting, uh, the, the bubble bath at the top and they're heading to, to go mm-hmm. see the medium or whatever. And, uh, uh, Conan Doyle is, is warning that the, the, medium does her seances in the nude the character for the e in seances which had a, i guess like a i don't know accent mark or something above it i presume and the reason i presume that is the character wasn't printed mm, yes yes i have the same one yeah. okay so that's that's a little odd and that could just be maybe that character didn't make it into the pdf but it's in the print copy i don't know but either way i don't know maybe a little better uh, proofreading but this medium amazed me because how often in comics do we have somebody, particularly in this sort of a time and setting, where you've got people who are debunking mediums and stuff like that, do you come across a medium that has actual magical powers that gets no credit for that? Because at the end, Minky's like, ah, oh, complete charlatan. I yes. submit to you, the medium is not a charlatan. Okay. The medium has magical powers. Because she's and... getting them there at the table. They've got the, the, the wooden blocks so something can be spelled out later. She's like, okay. Everyone, place your hands flat on the table, palms down, thumb to thumb, pinky to pinky. All hands must be touching. She's already told them to close their eyes, to get into the, the spirit of not seeing a spirit because your eyes are closed. I, I don't understand seances. I'll, I'll say that up front. Yeah, yeah, not a, not a fan of seances either, yeah. But she slips in two, I guess, artist wooden dummy mannequin hands in place of hers. So you see them there on the table. Okay. A vase gets knocked over, page flip. We're shooting from the top above the table. Poof. Wooden hands are gone. Which is good because everyone's opening their eyes up now. Okay. Page flip again. Poof. The hands are, the wooden hands are back on the table. Flip to the next page. Are they there? Are they gone? I mean, the hands come and go and she gets no credit for that. Throughout the entire scene, these things are, are magically appearing and disappearing. Now, she may be a horrible medium and complete charlatan at that, but she's got magical powers. Or they just didn't do a very good job drawing and, and editing that part of the script or the, the comic. Um, there were aspects of that. I will admit, when this thing started the, the seance with, uh, she's particularly adept at manifesting spirit ectoplasm from her orifices. Ah, yeah. I'm like, what are we going to see? What is, what is coming up? And, and thank God for a little restraint because we didn't see a lot of that. Thankfully. Yeah, but that's one of those things. Like, at this point, you haven't hooked me, and I'm starting to check out. Yes. Um, and the whole bit with the wooden hands, it's like, geez, come on. Continuity ears here. That's, that's sloppy. Um, and it's the, not. The best part really was, for me, was the, once we got through all that, we got to the bar. Again with the bar. I'm a real fan of the bar, I guess, tonight. Apparently. And you're thirsty. No. I'm, I'm thirsty. I, I need a beer. Um, and and we meet Houdini's wife, who had just fired uh, Houdini's assistant because he is uh, he, he's a bit of a lech, I guess, and sleeps around. 
And, and that whole exchange was engaging and I, uh, I enjoyed that part. And there was a kernel that made me interested in it. Uh, I don't know if it's enough to make you want to read the next issue because it was only a few pages, but, that, uh, that scene didn't work well for me. It didn't work for you. It yeah. felt it was like, where are they going with this? And some of it was blatantly obvious though. The wife is essentially hiring yeah. a, a private investigator to see if yeah. her husband is cheating on her by having her go as the person he's likely to cheat with. And it's like, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, yeah, this is this is chock full of MacGuffins and things because at the beginning we have the whole I need to get undercover and get next to Houdini and oh how convenient yeah look look what happened you know I I was hired by Houdini's wife to be his assistant so now I can get close to Houdini and Dad just happens to be out of the country and Dad doesn't give the the daughter any respect because she's a female so therefore. It's just the the son that gets gets to be assistant detective in this ridiculous premise. And we never um, see the son. Never see the son either. Um, there are a lot of problems with this, and and, and I, I don't think it was bad. I, I I didn't hate reading it or anything, but in in a crowded marketplace with subpar art and a lot of holes in the plot, it's tough to recommend something like this. Oh, I absolutely could not recommend this. I don't think it's something you absolutely have to steer clear of either. But for me, the story was at best okay. The art, almost okay. Yeah. And part of it is <laughs> yeah. it, it, it wasn't in my wheelhouse. It, it's not the kind of art style I like. The story seemed yeah. a little all over the place. It, it was a swing and a miss. It's not one of those, geez, they should be embarrassed by this sort of a deal. It's I wasn't planning on getting it, and I'm still not planning on getting it. Um, they had an right. opportunity to win me over. They failed to do that. Yeah, and I and I think uh, I'm at the same place. I have really been enjoying the hard case crime line, uh, that imprint of Titan, and a lot of their stuff has been connecting with me. Um, at least ha- four or five of them um, have really been really good, and 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 I've enjoyed them. This is not one of them, so uh, un- unfortunately, this is this is going to be a pass for me, and something I'm going to give a C minus to. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with the C minus. I think there is an audience that will like it a lot more than than we did. But uh, they're not here on the podcast, so oh well. I do think the the line has been doing some other good stuff. It was certainly worth checking this out. It's just unfortunate that um, it failed to really work for us and connect for us. Yeah, and 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 I was I was excited as I was going through this week because this was this was stacking up to be uh, one of the strongest weekly comic spotlights that we've had in a long time because uh, those those first two were just awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome reads for me. So I was really looking forward to getting into the indie book, and I I tend to to read them in the same order that we review them. I don't know why. It doesn't, uh, I do it the doesn't same matter. thing. That way, my thoughts are <laughs> are pre aligned. <laughs> pre aligned, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I was kind of bummed that it wasn't as good as the previous two. Um, and and you'll have that. We've we've had three bad ones. We've had a mixture. We've we we've had we've run the gamut over these. Uh, several hundred episodes that we've done together. So, um, yeah, um, but I was, I was really rooting. I was really rooting for this to be good and it, and it wasn't as good as I was, I was hoping it, it happens. Sometimes you, you get a string of them that are all great. Sometimes it's peaks and valleys, but that's the nature of comics. And that's a lot of why I read so much is yeah. I don't expect everything to, to hit it out of the park every time, but I always want to have something that's really good to read. And you feel vindicated too, when you, um, 
not you, you collectively, we, we collectively as comic readers, when we pass on something as, uh, during the solicit solicitation cycle and then try it out anyway and it's not good. You're like, eh, I, I, I knew it. I knew it wasn't going to be good. I, I don't feel that way. Uh, Vindicated is certainly not how I would feel with something like this. Um, I hate that. I much prefer it to be one of those things like when we did uh, a yeah. red team double tap red center team, mass yeah. where it's like, exactly. wow, this was amazing. How was I missing this? How did I miss that? I love those better. Yeah. Uh, those those are much better situations. But sometimes I'm like, yeah, I knew it was wasn't going to be for me. Well, and again, it comes down to how well do you know what you like and, and stuff like that. And I think a lot of us have a fairly good sense, but we'll miss stuff. Yeah. yeah. So. 